why are we talking about work at church? I mean, what, what, what's the connection there? Well, if you think about it, and this goes for students, this goes for folks that are, that are out and working, but we're going to work about a third of our lives, all right? Something that takes up a third of your life is pretty important. We probably ought to talk about that. Um, if you're a student, you know, you're going to go to school. It's increasing, you know, going to preschool now, starting earlier. You may be in school, at least through high school, you know, 15, 16 years, extend that out to professional school, you go to college, you could be in school for 30 years, up to your age 30. All right, if you, starting then from, from going into work, you're going to work until you're 50, 60, nowadays maybe even 70. And so we spend a tremendous amount of our time working. And so we really need to talk about that because that work-life balance is crucial. You know, we think about time. It's how we spend our time. You talk to people now, you're like, how you doing, man? I'm just busy. I'm so busy. I'm taking up my time. I'm busy. And time is valuable. It's our most precious resource we have today. And so we need to really think about that. Understand that time is a factor of our capacity. We have a limited capacity. We have a limited bandwidth uh, right now. And when you get, you know, you get married, your spouse will have a bandwidth. You will have a bandwidth, a capacity um, and, and we all influence one another. And we're going to show you this morning a couple of visuals. You know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. We're going to show you some visuals to help you kind of contextualize uh, time and time management um, and how we think about all this interacting and how we can, you know, basically our values should drive our, how we spend our time. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But you need to understand that you have a fixed capacity and you really can't increase that. And as a factor of capacity, when you exceed that capacity, you end up in a, in a state of dysfunction. And we need to be able to recognize that and correct ourselves when we get off track. We need to understand that many of us today, what's driving what we do and the decisions we make is comparison. You know, social media promotes comparison. We're going to pick on social media a little bit this morning. Um, I know that the young folks use it a lot, but... Us who are a little older use it as well, uh, you know, and, uh, and so whether you're using Snapchat, you're using Facebook, you're using Instagram, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, it's available to you. And one of the problems with social media is it breeds comparison. We're checking out what our contemporaries, what our peers, we're checking out what they're doing, how their kids are doing, what kind of accolades they're receiving, uh, what their status is, you know, what kind of job, do they get a promotion? We're looking at all these things, and of course, people post their highlight reel. And when we get that, that this is the best of the best, but we still kind of make that comparison. And the problem with comparison is, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison tells you that you are either superior or inferior to the person you're comparing yourself to. And see, neither of those thought processes honor God, superior or inferior. And what's worse is comparison breeds competition. And outside of an athletic event, competition is not going to help you live a godly life. And we're going to show you that in just a moment. So understand that that needs to be cut out. And you need to understand where, you're, you know, where the dysfunction begins to happen. So let's, let's put that up this morning. Let's put up the human function curve. And so I'm going to show you this. This is just, again, before we jump into the message, these are foundational concepts that when you when you think about where your life is at and how you're, how you're functioning at this moment, 
um, you can utilize these types of things to help you to figure out where the problem lies. So for example, if we look at the y-axis here, this is productivity and then stress. And we don't want to function here. We're not taking, a, this is staying in my shell, not getting out of my comfort zone, not trying to grow, but staying in my shell. You know, God has a lot of things for you. He has gifted you in a special way. He has given you spiritual gifts. And a shout out to LifeTrack. So if you've not done LifeTrack, I would encourage you to do that. We will talk about how you determine your spiritual gifts. You can take the shape test and learn out, you know, what have you gifted me with, Lord? And where do you want me to use it at? And LifeTrack will help you to figure that out. Because it doesn't matter what your vocation is. You can still serve God in that function. So if I'm, if I'm at work, I can still serve the Lord using my gifts. It doesn't take away from what you're doing for your occupation or whether you're at school. You can still serve the Lord on your team if he's gifted you in that way. So understand that you don't want to be here because you're in your shell. You're not doing all that God has blessed you to be able to do. And see, you're not, you're not taking on any stress, but you're not productive either. So as you begin to take on what we call you stress, this is healthy stress. This is when you get your juices flowing, your creativity flowing, and this is the stress that helps you to be able to do all that God has, has blessed you to be able to do. It's in your wheelhouse of doing what God's will is for your life. And you notice how this shoots up really quickly, all right? So if you are in your wheelhouse, that's what you're doing. But the problem is when you allow competition, when you allow comparison, when you allow the wrong reasons to motivate what you do, then you push past this place of optimal performance into fatigue. Now, I don't want to show of hands, but who this morning is tired? Who this morning is discouraged? Who this morning has, you know, they're kind of hopeless. I don't know. I'm doing all I can do. My ship is taking on water. I can't keep this up. I feel hopeless. I don't see an end in sight. There's no light at the end of my tunnel. Somebody help me. Take these burdens from me because I'm, I'm working two or three jobs. I'm working and I'm going back to school. I'm doing all I can and I don't see an end in sight. And this leads to burnout. And comparison can drive this. Competition can drive this. Doing things for the wrong reasons can drive this. And understand this morning, watch how quickly this falls off. See, this goes up slowly, but it falls off quickly. You can't do any more than you're doing. And understand there is a biblical backbone to this. If we pop that up. Understand that if you're over here in this section, if you're over here in this section, there is scripture to support this. You know, Proverbs says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing because they won't, won't get out and work. They won't get out of their shell. They won't allow God to work in their life. But the diligent are richly supplied. And the same goes true if you're pushing for the wrong reasons. If you're pushing for the wrong reasons, then scripture supports that as well. And we think about don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. If you're, and it doesn't have to be just wealth, but if you're doing things for the wrong reasons as you're pushing as a, as a part of competition or comparison, you're going to end up with burnout. You need to stay in optimal performance. You need to stay in the center of God's will. The next slide. So I'd encourage you to take a picture of this. Think about this. This is a way that you can, if you are in fatigue, if you're in discouragement, if you're in burnout, or if you have gotten to that place, you need to figure out why. All right, where am I going off track at? And this is, let's just, this is Joe. Let's just use an example of Joe. Well, Joe is really focused, focused on his work. So if you look at this, these are the seven dimensions or seven domains of wellness. 
And we think about breaking our life into each one of these sections. We have a social component. We have an emotional component. We have a spiritual component all the way across. And this is a relative scale of success and failure. These really don't. The bottom line is here, how am I functioning? Do I feel like I'm doing well in this domain of my life? And so this guy, he said, and I'm selling out for work. I want to be successful. I'm going to, I'm going to improve my intellectual wellness, and I'm going to focus on my occupational wellness, and I don't care what happens to the rest. You see, you have a fixed capacity. You have a limited bandwidth. And when you take and push one part of your life, it's going to steal from another. And so it is stolen from his physical wellness. He used to try to eat right and exercise, but now he's got no time for that. He's just focused on his job, so he just grabs whatever he's got available to him, and he doesn't really exercise anymore. So now he's on cholesterol medicine. His emotional wellness is, is, is poor because now he doesn't socialize with his friends and family. He's so focused on his work that it's taken away from his relationships. And similarly, his spiritual wellness has gone down the tank. He used to get up early and read his Bible. Before he would go to bed, he would meditate on God's Word and he would pray. He was always in church when church was going on. He was serving in a small group. But now he sleeps in on Sunday because he's so tired from work. He doesn't have time to read his Bible at night. So it has stolen from his spiritual wellness. And this has impacted his family. See, when you focus on certain things, it steals from other things. And this tunnel vision can be detrimental. So you have to be able to say, I'm, not, I'm in burnout right now. I'm in distress. I'm in dysfunction. Where is this at? Let me look at my life. And the final piece is, next slide, is to think about our effort. And you've heard people say, well, give 110%. And the Bible says everything you do, do it unto the Lord, as if you're doing it for the Lord and not for man. But understand, if I'm spending, you know, 80% of my time, 90% of my time trying to get something done, how am I going to get anything else done? Well, if you look at the Pareto principle, if I will do 20% and do it with all my heart, do it as if I'm doing it for the Lord, look at the return I get. I get 80% results. Now, if I could put down $20 and get back $80 every time, that's a pretty good return on investment. I don't know too many people who wouldn't take that fourfold return. But if I'm spending the extra from 20%, if I'm going to give another 80% and I'm only going to get 20% from my money, that's not a good return on investment. How am I going to have time for my kids? How am I going to have time for the Lord? How am I going to have time to take care of myself physically if I'm sold out for one particular thing and I have tunnel vision? Now, granted, sometimes you have to work harder on things, but we have, we have to focus our life and our return on what, what is the greatest return on investment. Do, do, don't do more, but do less and do it better. We don't want to let uh, the temporary hijack the eternal. You know, the barrier to, to a meaningful life now is not lack of commitment, it is overcommitment. And so as we shift this morning into the service, I want us to think about our life. Are you settling this morning? Are you accepting mediocrity? Are you settling for an average life? Because, folks, this morning, God doesn't, he wants more for you than that. He doesn't want you to settle. There's nothing in the Bible that says we should settle. He has given you special gifts. He has blessed you. And he wants you to have a magnificent life, not a mediocre one. And so that's what we're going to title the message this morning is Magnificent, Not Mediocre. You see, our, ver our foundational verse is John 10.10, 10, and it ends like this. I came so they can have real and eternal life, a more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. 
That doesn't say anything about mediocrity. That says, I have something great for you. I have more for you than what you think you have for yourself. If you will turn your life over to Jesus and let him guide your life. So let me ask you this morning, let me ask you a question. If I ask you, what are the values that you founded your life on? Could you, could you articulate those to me? What are your values? If you're a father, what are the values that you establish for your family? What are your values? If, if I were to ask a spouse or a coworker or even your child and said, hey, could you tell me what Joe's values are? Could they articulate those back? Think about that. We're going to get into the scripture. The scripture this morning is a famous one. You're very familiar with this. Uh, it's the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, you guys may have, like, you know, used the Mary and Martha story to call somebody out before. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's one that you can kind of do that with. You may have ribbed somebody and said, you know, Mary and Martha, quit acting like Martha. But we're going to pick on Martha a little bit this morning. This is in Luke 10, 38 through 42. It's going to be on your screen as well, but if you can want to follow along with your Bible or your, your phone. And the scripture says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. Get this now. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is one thing being worth concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. The first point this morning is you need to live your values. As Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church would say, schedule your values. This is not about doing more, it's about doing more of what matters most. You see, in Luke 10:40, it said, She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. You see, Martha was frustrated. There was an inconsistency between what her values were, how she was, how she was valuing her life. See, she valued Jesus just like Mary did. Her values said, I want to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him teach. I want to spend time with Jesus. That was what her values said. But her actions said, I'm worried and preoccupied with all this minutia. All right, Jesus didn't say, I want you to fix me a big dinner when I come over. When did Jesus ever say to do that? That was on her. She was like, I need to do a big dinner. I need to make this about me not spend time with Jesus. So get this, if you don't get anything else from this message, this is one of the key points of this message. The difference between the values that you embrace and the life you live equal the frustration that you experience. The difference between the values you embrace and the life you live equal the frustration you experience. Or you could say distress that you experience. You see, your life should reflect your values. It says in Titus 2.7, let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. And again in Matthew 5.16, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, when you hear Pastor Daniel preach, when you read your Bible, when the Lord speaks to your heart, those are your teachings. Your actions should reflect 
those teachings. That light that you have that you're shining out for all the world to see, it should shine based upon the values that you embrace. And this may sting a little bit, and it's a little bit of a sidebar, but you know, you've heard people say, well, I would love to go to that church down there, but it's full of hypocrites. Well, by definition, a hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does another. People are listening to how we as Christians, how we talk, to how we act, the places we go, the things we do. When we're in everyday life, when we're at our, our job, how we interact with other people. And we have an opportunity every day to let our light shine based on how we live out our values. This means we need to live out our values. If we're at a Little League, Little League baseball game, if we're at the gym, wherever we are, whoever we're interacting with, we need to live those values out. Do we realize how important this is? How many people do we know that interact with us on a daily basis that don't come to church or they don't want to experience Christ because of how we live out our values? We should be inspiring people to come to Christ. We should be letting our light shine and they want to say, hey, I want what that person's got. But we, to do that, we have to live out our values. So in order, we, we need to prioritize, prioritize our values. The world wants to inundate our senses. The world wants to inundate your, your, your senses with Facebook, with the movies, with the TV, with the news. See, the world, Satan, wants to shape your values, wants to shape your values away from godly ones to ones that are of this world, to, to what the world values, so that it can guide where you go, what you do, what you say, what you buy. That's what the world wants. See, Martha, Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Martha, Martha must have been on Pinterest. She must have been on Facebook. She must have been watching Martha Stewart. Be like, what kind of big dinner can I make that's going to impress Jesus? But see, that's rooted in pride. That's rooted in envy, in jealousy, in worry. You see, James tells us that each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by their own desires. What are the desires of your heart? Are the desires of your heart consistent with God's word? Are they, is that what your values are driven by? Because if they are, we need to change that. Let me tell you a story about me. So a couple of weeks ago, my son wanted to go to Blaze Pizza. Blaze Pizza's in Lexington, it's kind of in the Hamburg area. And, um, and so they were having cars and coffee. Cars and coffee is like a come and go car show, have it first Saturday of the month. And so I was going to take the boys down and go to this car show, and then we're going to go uh, eat at Blaze Pizza afterwards. And so I'm like, well, I can't, I can't roll up in that car show with a dirty car. I mean, that's, that's not cool. i got to get the car clean. So it's like Friday night, 7.30. we got to get to bed early. Kids go to bed at like 8.30. I have twin boys that are three and a half. And, uh, and so i got, I got to get in there and help my wife. I can't let her put the kids to bed you know, by, by herself. And so I'm like cleaning my car, and the Lord just speaks to me. And the Lord says, 20 years from now, 20 years from now when your boys are looking back, is this going to matter to them? Are they going to be like, man, at one time, Dad, you took me to the car show and you had a dirty car. That was embarrassing. You know, I, I hated even say I was your dad that day. You know, they're not going to do that. That's not what it's all about. The whole point is to spend time with my kids. That was the whole point of, of me going to this thing. But it's not about having a clean car. That was, that was me. I brought that on myself. That was pride. Just like Martha. The whole point of the day was to spend time with Jesus. 
not have a big dinner that kept her so busy she couldn't do that. And so the Lord spoke to me through the Spirit and said, you need to stop what you're doing. You're not living a value-driven life. Quit washing your car, go put your kids to bed, and then tomorrow go spend time with your family. But see, for the Lord to speak to you like that, you've got to have a relationship with the Father. So as we, as we wrap this, this point up, I want you to hear this, this scripture. This is Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And the key point here, whatever you have learned through God's word, whatever you have received or heard from me or seen in me, okay, what, what have we seen God display to us through his word? Put into practice and the peace of God will be with, will be with you. So if you're not experiencing peace this morning, are you living out what God has already showed us to do? Are you living out your values? Question for you. What are the things that you value most right now that you aren't doing? What are the things that you value most right now that you are not doing? How we change this. Point number two. Sometimes we have to say no to many small things in order to say yes to a few big things. Got to say no to some small stuff in order to make room to say yes for some big stuff. You see, there's a funny thing, funny saying that they, that they have uh, that Pastor Daniel said it before and other pastors have said it, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll do it in the voice. Uh, it says, if the devil can't make you bad, the devil will make you busy. But I would, go, I would go even a step further and say, if the devil can't make you hurry, then the devil will make you worry. Because it says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these little details. There is but one thing being worth concern about. One thing, one big thing. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. You see, Mary was so worried about all the little minutia details of perfecting this dinner that she missed the whole reason she was having dinner in the first place. It was to spend time with Jesus. See, Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to him teach. Now, if you could have Jesus at your house, would you want to spend time with him or would you want to spend time rushing around trying to get all the details of dinner ready? What were the values? What were the priorities? See, Martha got off track. Martha was busy, and we think busy in this life oftentimes is a badge of honor. Don't mistake busy for meaningful or important, because oftentimes it is not. Busy will lead you to distress, as we showed earlier. So how do I know? There's a lot of options out there. You folks uh, from Governor Scholar, you're going to have a lot of options in life. You're going to have a lot of choices ahead of you. Many of us still have a number of choices, and some of them are good. How do we know what to pursue? A good idea doesn't mean it's the right idea. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. So how do I know what to pursue? Well, here are a couple things. Act on those ideas that are, number one, consistent with your values. Act on the ideas that are consistent with your values. And then prioritize those things. Those should be the first things you do. Secondly, Act on those things that offer a positive return on your investment. 
a positive return on the time that you're investing. If it's going to take you 80% of your time and you're only going to get 10% of a benefit, it's not worth it. That is negative margin. That's going to be a time drain on your life. But if you can get a good return for a little bit of time, pursue that. The third thing is act on things that have positive eternal consequences. As the Bible says, store up treasures in heaven. So another way, kind of, if you want to have a quick way to think about these things, think about it this way. How will this idea distract or enhance the type of person I want to be in Christ? Is this going to make me more of who I want to be in Christ? Or is this decision going to take away from who I am? If it, is it going to compete with who I want to be in Christ? I probably shouldn't do it. Are your decisions consistent with your values? Were Martha, what about Martha? Was her decision to have this big elaborate dinner, was that consistent with who she wanted to be in Christ? No, she was frustrated. She even called her sister out. And in the end, the Lord called her out. You need to decide what are your non-negotiables. You need to have things that you will not negotiate on. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z right off the top, and they are non-negotiable. What are those? Could you, could you tell me today what are those non-negotiables? If you can't, figure that out. You need to know what you're not going to waver on. What are your values dictate that you're not going to waver on? And then the things that don't make that cutoff need to be on your to-don't list. We talk about a to-do list. We need to have a to-don't list and start marking stuff off that we have we think we need to do because they're not consistent with our values. It says in John 15, 4, Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I want to bear fruit in my life, and I hope you want to bear fruit as well. I can't think of any more important thing than to say my life is bearing fruit. But if you want to bear fruit, the key priority you've got to have is you've got to prioritize your relationship with Christ. That has to be your number one priority, and everything else is second to that. It will guide and lead you to be successful in your occupation, in your relationships, in life, in love. Allow the Lord to guide your life so that you can bear fruit. The third point, just briefly, is you need to empower others. Empower others as if your life depended upon it. You see, if, if someone can do something 80% as good as you, allow them to do it. Pastor Craig Rochelle would say, if someone can do something 50% as good as you, but it's getting better, they're, they're improving, give them that opportunity. You see, if you delegate tasks, you will build followers, but if you delegate authority, you will build leaders. You say, well, I'm, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. How can I do that? Well, what about your kids? Well, I can't. My kids, you know, my kids are three and a half. But we still delegate to them. We give them authority to do the things that are, you know, they're able to do that's on their level. You know, we talk about in, in, in our kids' ministry, we teach them Jesus on their level. Well, you can delegate authority to kids on their level because they want that responsibility. It makes them feel big. It helps them to grow. All right, but if you're a business owner... If you're an entrepreneur, you know, we talk about working, uh, you should be working on your business, not in your business. How do you do that? Well, you've got to free yourself up. 
you've got to learn to delegate. And, and you know, entrepreneurs are the worst. And I can, I'm an entrepreneur, so I can, I can kind of talk about this. But we're the worst. We think we're the only one that can do something. But you have to understand that there are people within your network that you can delegate to, that you can empower. You know, the mark of a manager is when you remove the manager from a business, the business crumbles because they were just managing people. But if you have a leader and they leave the business, the business flourishes. Jesus gave us an example of this. It says in Luke 10, uh, 19, look, talking about the disciples, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. See, Jesus gave authority to his disciples. He gave authority. And then look where his ministry has gone now. His ministry is worldwide because he gave them authority. So ask yourself this morning, what are three things you can delegate? Who will you delegate them to? And when? And the final point this morning is, don't conform, transform. Don't conform, transform. You see, in this life, there are a myriad of challenges that you will face. There is constant change in your life. And you're going to have to adapt to that. You may be in the sweet spot right now. You may be functioning to where everything is, is perfect. You couldn't ask for life to be any better. But the reality is, is pretty soon you're going to experience a change. Your job's going to change. There may, be, there may be sickness. There may be a child who comes along. You may graduate from school. You may go into school. But there's going to be constant change in your life. How are you adapting to that? Are you conforming to what this, the world says you need to do? You see, the world says that you need to stay up late, you need to work harder, you need to make less time for friends, just catch up with them on Facebook, you don't need to go to church, you don't need to spend time in God's Word. The world has a kind of a life defined for you if you will let it. But don't be conformed, you need to transform transform your life by the renewing of your mind on a daily basis. You see, my life has changed a lot in the last little bit. I left one job and I took another. My kids are changing. They're growing. They're getting older. They're doing different things, which is impacting what I'm able to do, impacting my lifestyle. Um, I'm getting older, and what I used to be able to do, I can't necessarily do anymore, or maybe I shouldn't want to do anymore. We, we're changing where we live. And so there's all these changes. And you see, you have, to, you have to adapt to that change. You see, I found that my time with the Lord was being squeezed out. My time with my kids was being squeezed out because work was demanding more of me. And the Lord impressed upon my heart that you can't, you can't sustain this. You, can't, you shouldn't sustain this. It's not like when you, you know, didn't have kids and, and you and your wife were both working and it needs to change. And so I started to change my life. I prioritize my health by going to bed early. I get up early. I spend time with the Lord in His Word. Then I get a couple hours of work done before my kids get up. Why? Because when 5 o'clock rolls around, it's family time. It's time for my kids. I changed my workout. Those of you who know I like to, like to work out, I, I've cut that down. My goals are not what my goals used to be. Because I go to bed early, and you all know how if you 
if you know me, you know how much I like UK basketball. I missed, I don't know how many games, it, was, it may have been all the games. I missed the second half. All those 9 o'clock start games, I missed the second half and probably didn't even get all the first half in. You know, that's a small thing. But it's still a sacrifice. I like that. There are things that you like that you're going to have to sacrifice. But understand that your values, living a value-driven life is worth it. It's worth it. You know, Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. The Lord will guide you if you will allow him to transform your mind. So what are you still doing that's lost its effectiveness that needs to be changed or eliminated in your life? You got to cut it out. You see, Luke 10, 42 in our verse today says, but one thing was needful. One thing, one big thing was needful. Mary chose that important, that good part, and that shall not be taken away from her. So you have a choice today. Do you want to leave a, lead a busy and preoccupied life like Martha, allowing the world to dictate your values? Or you want to choose a value-driven life like Mary? You see, it says in Joshua 24, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this scripture, this Martha and Mary story, this was included in your Bible specifically because God knew that you would have a busy life. He knew that there would be things that would compete for your attention, that you would be preoccupied, busy, and worried with. But he included this to give you a reminder, maybe even a wake-up call. Mary left this example for us to put aside the distractions and desires of this world and choose the good part by sitting at the feet of Jesus and valuing the time in his presence. Let's bow our heads. So folks, this morning you have an opportunity to not miss out on the good part. Are you so preoccupied, busy-minded, or worried today that you can't clear your mind enough to hear God calling you to become his child? You see, his scripture says in John 12, 26, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, which is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. That Spirit will guide you in the decisions you make and impress upon you. The Spirit will impress upon you what is the true, perfect, and wholesome will of God in order to keep you from making mistakes and worrying. But to receive the Spirit, folks, to hear that voice of the Lord guiding your life, you have to know the Father. Now you have an opportunity right now in response to receive the Father. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would any of you be so bold this morning as to say, I have not been, been living a value-driven life, that I have allowed Satan to dictate my values, that I have allowed Satan to control my actions, that I'm not letting my light shine. I want the Spirit in my heart. I want God to guide me. I want Him to put me back on the right path when I get off. 
Would any of you be so bold this morning by raising your hand to say, I accept you, Father, this morning that I have not been living the life that you've called me to live. And I want to, I want to receive you this morning. I want you to change my heart and guide my life. Would there be anybody, anyone here this morning to say that's me? I see that hand. Anyone else? We want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice with you this morning if that's you. For those of you who make decisions, I encourage you, go to the red room. It's just out, out in the hallway here into the room that's red. We want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. And hey, this baptism Sunday, you can get baptized today. You can start life fresh right now in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your son who died that we might live. We thank you for your word, Father, that is a light to our path. Help us, Lord, to put aside the cares of this world, to not listen to what Satan values, to what the world inundates our senses with, but to focus on you, Lord, to live a value-driven life, to let our light shine for others to see so that they would want to get to know you simply because of how we live. For those who've made decisions this morning, Father, we pray that you would just protect them, that you would encourage them, that you would guide their life, that you would allow them each day to not conform, but to transform and renew their mind daily in your spirit. Father, we just thank you so much for your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.